Good morning. Go ahead and get started. Good to see everybody this morning. If you're visiting, we've got, I think we got a lot of visitors here. This is our class on the flesh and spirit, which we've just started. We're about a week into it. So excited to be in this class with you all and look forward to everybody's participation and comments this morning as we, uh, as you can see, our subtopic for this morning is toward a fuller understanding of spirits. So that is our goal. But, um, before we get into it, I ask uh, Jared if you'll please to prayer. So again, the goal is a, today a fuller understanding that you might, I hope if you leave here, that doesn't happen, I, I hope that doesn't happen, excuse me, um, if, if I ramble on or uh, kind of sputter through this, I hope you'll have a lesser of an understanding, but uh, all kidding aside, I, I'm excited to dig into this with you all this morning and come to a, a better understanding. This is a obviously a very important topic it's a deep topic but it's such a worthwhile thing it's of uh, you know so much importance for us to really dig into this meditate on it and help each other as we look into the word about what God is telling us through the authors in the Bible of spirits of the flesh in, in these subjects, because there's a, a lot contained within the Bible on, on these subjects. And before we really get into the passages that are picked out for this morning, I want to go back to the way Darrell finished class on Wednesday night. It really stuck with me about being spiritually focused. It's the way he concluded his class and you know, that idea, there's a lot contained within saying, let's be spiritually focused believers, Christians. And, you know, speaking of, of the spirit of man, I just put up a few bullet points here as kind of a umbrella that hopefully will be over this entire trimester as we are digging into these topics looking into the spirit and flesh. And Darrell touched on a few of these as we were concluding class, talking about our spirits and the importance of being spiritually focused because it does, or it is the, the connection or link to God. It's also the connection and link with each other, with our fellow man. It also is the, the presence and the power of God within each of us. If I ask you, tell me about the presence or the power of God that you, you have felt and you continue to feel. We would all have different experiences and things that we could share with each other, powerful things, where God, as we felt his presence and his power, and, and fellowship with God. And this should be expressed throughout our, our lives, our daily lives. And you know, Darrell touched on that too, about 
this is something that is not just contained within the walls of this, these build, this building or, or some other church building. <laughs> this is our, our daily lives. And that should be our, our goal. That's the way we should be living, is to be spiritually focused and connecting, connecting to God always and connecting to each other always through, through our spirit. <coughs> so, any thoughts on that before we, we dive in today? I just thought it was great how he finished class, and I wanted to pick up on that to kind of propel us forward here this morning. Any quick thoughts before we dive in? So, again, the, the, the title for today is a, a fuller, toward a fuller understanding of spirits. And we'll start off with a, a passage that most of us are familiar with. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus, this is in, in John 3. And let's, uh, we're going to read, read all of this. So John 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heaven, the Son of Man? Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So, there's a lot contained with this, with, within this interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus. You know, this morning, you know, our goal is focusing on this comparison and contrast that Jesus makes between the flesh and the spirit as he's, as he's talking to Nicodemus and, and having this fascinating conversation. So, He's explaining to him, and I want to focus here on verses 5 through 9. You know, he, Jesus is trying to get across to him. Well, I ask you, what is he trying to get across to him? 
if you had to summarize it into what we're talking about this morning with this, these classes. Yes? Well, I think these people were still really focused on a physical kingdom and a physical king through Christ and all the physical aspects um, that they had previously known as like Judaism in their own religions. And so then I think here he's trying to explain um, the spiritual rebirth and then the spirit that he's now focusing on through his, um, his teaching as Christ. Very good. I think that's exactly what he's trying to get across to Nicodemus is this spiritual rebirth that one has to undergo to be part of the kingdom, to be part of God's, of God's kingdom. So again, he, you know, to us here today, a couple of thousand years later, you're like, yeah, of course, Nicodemus, don't, don't, you, don't you see it, you know? But as was mentioned, their focus was on a, a physical kingdom was what they were looking for. Because what, what does Nicodemus recognize? What, what does he tell Jesus right off the bat? He knew there was something special about him. Yeah. He knew he had to be from God. So he could see what was going on and knew that he was from God, but there's still... He's still blinded to what is really, what really needs to happen. Again, this spiritual rebirth that, that Jesus is explaining to him. That, the, again, the comparison and contrast that he gives between the flesh and, and the spirit. That these are, are separate things. Flesh gives birth to flesh, our, our physical bodies, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to give birth to Spirit. So everyone who's born of the Spirit will have this, have this Spirit. Randy? Yes? To me, it, it sounds like you're setting the foundation of faith as being our ways to see the Spirit, see the God going forward. Gotcha. Would that make sense, or I? Yeah, I mean, this is a he has a definite foundation, I believe. It's it's you know paramount paramount going forward that this spiritual rebirth is is a foundation for for all. Yes. Interesting. You know, there there were Sadducees who did not believe in spirits. Okay, but he's a Pharisee, and so. They believe in spirits, but it's clear he'd never given much thought to it. <laughs> he doesn't understand that as, an, as a, an integral part of who he is and something that, that he should be focused on. It, it's, right. To him, it's, it's all kind of later on, spirits become important, but right now it, yeah. it has no relevance. And we could be the same way, I think, you know, the ignoring and say, well, that's a thing for, for later on. You ignore what you can't see. Exactly. We, we, we're a physical being, and I, our tendency is to maintain that and stay in that realm. And, and Jesus is talking something different. Right. And it's kind of like, oh, <clears throat> hmm. never thought about that. Right. The little part with the wind, you can't see it. 
Right. We can't see faith. Or what faith is worth to us. Somebody else? I was just going to say, the subtle nuance there is that it's a rebirth. So this is not, you're taking on spirit that you don't have right now. It's that your spirit is being reborn. And so I think that's something that a lot of the Pharisees really, really miss. Because it was all physical. It was everything they did was physical, temple, all these different things. And there was a spiritual aspect that none of them really understood. And that's where he talks about this is a rebirth. This is a, a new thing. And it's not something that, um, it, it is a new way to Jesus, but it's always been part of worship to God is the spirit is what's mattered, not just the flesh. Did the, the Pharisees or the Sadducees basically denied that this existed. Right. So they had a real hard time coming around to it. Very true. Yes. Even though you can't see the wind, you know it moves. You don't know how it moves. We know a little bit more about it now, how it moves. Mm -hmm. But we don't completely un understand the spirit, but we know it moves and we know it works. Yes. And we just have to try to understand, um, but know that it's real. Very good. Um, I was thinking about this this week and the idea of um, the Jews, you know, thinking about a, a physical kingdom and in our culture, you know, we, we've, um, we don't believe in anything but what we can see and feel now. And we kind of have the same idea. And if you don't believe in a spirit, what are your options on earth? Well, you can live however you want and try to find pleasure that way, or you can try and create utopia on earth. And both of those are going to be very frustrating because neither of those can happen. So as Christians, I feel like that idea of sometimes giving an answer for the hope that we have is about this spirit because the world doesn't have that thought. Very good. Why, why don't you think, why do you think that Nicodemus was supposed to understand this? That's a, you just, you're leaning into my next comment. <laughs> so, there you know, in the, in the Old Testament, or what Nicodemus, you know, in, in their in their Bible, their their scriptures, that you know there are multiple times where God had spoken through His prophets about this this coming this coming spirit. So I did put a few a couple on here. Ezekiel has a handful of these and I, my opinion is I believe Jesus is saying hey you know you're the leader you, you know the scripture and this is what you know the prophets and this is what you should have you know foreseen this happening yeah clued in you know I think he is kind of chastising him a little bit just saying hey yeah, you, you recognize me as something special from God, but you should have recognized or understand what I'm saying to you. So Ezekiel, um, as God says through Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from your heart of stone, excuse me, I'll remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then another one in Ezekiel 37. Similar language here. I will 
Put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. So, you know, it's my opinion that he, saying, hey, there were clues given through the prophets. The, the prophecies were given that God was going to put his spirit into man, and it was going to change man. And he uses the language of, of you know, those flesh and spirit, making their their hearts come alive when the, God would put their, His Spirit on them. And here in, in chapter 37, he, you know, He equates this, this spiritual to, to life, and the Spirit coming on. So He equals life here. Um, so, <clears throat> again, hopefully that answers what, what, what I believe there. Any, any comments on that? Or? Yes, Gordon. That preposition in is very important there in Ezekiel because it's not that the Spirit of God was absent throughout the Old Testament, but that what we see over and over again is that He would come upon, He would come on people and upon. Those prepositions are used, and so He would often empower them, and so you'd see these manifestations of Him by power coming on the prophets, on the kings, but when he says I'm going then he's going to come in you, that's the promise that's given to New Testament believers. Right. And that that's a promise to all who mm. become children of God that Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I think even in 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 Joel he he prophesies that it was gonna be poured out. So again, yeah, so this idea, I'm gonna put it in you, I'm gonna pour it on those that believe in me, those that are following me. I wonder if, if uh, what, what did the people think when a prophet spoke to them? And but obviously, obviously, speaking from God, were they impressed? You know, you asked a question a little bit ago about Nicodemus observing Jesus we know you're from God so Nicodemus had a had an inkling of an idea what Jesus makeup was I'm wondering if the same thing happened with the prophets they had some idea but to really understand how that worked did they stop and think is this really the lord speaking through this man is what he doing really from the father in heaven and we grope with that today <coughs> we are as, as jesus said you know blessed because we are on this side and we can see the fulfillment <coughs> Of the, as he was telling his disciples, like what the prophets longed to see. So yes, I, that's a great question. You know, what what did they fully grasp and, and understand? And what do we grasp? Right. Sometimes we can we can grasp something, but we refuse it. I mean, look what Isaiah faced. Now, what do you say to those people that were listening to Isaiah? Did they believe it? Did they think he was in somehow inspired? Didn't act like it. 
but you know that somewhere they had to see it. But we have a tendency just to close our eyes to what's right in front of us sometimes. Right. That's why I think these are so, these moments are so important to keep reminding us. And then with mm -hmm. our daily lives, just continue to remind ourselves. Very our, easy to fall our, into. Yes, of our spirituality and <coughs> what needs to be our spiritual focus. Especially if we get an idea in our head. We have a hard time with that. We get an idea in our head that doesn't want to leave. True. And if it's wrong, well then anything that contradicts that idea, well that has to be wrong. Right. Uh, and, and we've got to watch out. That's true. Calls for a lot of discernment on our part. You know, yeah. I, I think back on how the people responded to the prophets and literally everything, if they were discerning, Everything the prophet said stuck together. It, it gelled. Mm -hmm. Whereas one who was not a prophet, it wouldn't gel with everything else. So it calls for discernment on our part today too. Mm -hmm. are, are we hearing the truth? Is this really from God? Well, we can discern whether it agrees with everything else that he has said. <coughs> That, the reading, I think, this morning, I don't know, is John 8. And Jesus was in a debate with those scribes and Pharisees. And help me to remember that, but this is the very thing that they were talking about because they were talking about Abraham being their father. Mm -hmm. And he was dead, just like all those prophets. Right. And, of course, Jesus was trying to tell them where he was from, but they just couldn't <laughs> see it. I think I recited that right. I don't know. Sounds good. Very good. Well, yes. Yeah, the, one of the most interesting parts of the passage, which I have forgotten, is that why Nicodemus came to him to begin with. He said, well, surely, from what I can see, you must be from God. Yes. So I would sure love to know more details about that would be, right. uh, would be helpful. Yeah, and we do need to... <coughs> Move on. I mean, we could do this, the whole class on this passage because it's, it's so rich. But yes, I think Nicodemus is being pulled in two directions, just like we get pulled. He he recognizes Jesus. I, I feel like he wants to be a disciple of Jesus. And I, I we see later in John, he is. You know, he is there. He is defending Jesus, trying to defend him, trying to re reason with with the Pharisees. And then at the end he's he is preparing Jesus' body for burial. Um, but yes, it, I feel obviously through his background he is he's trying to figure this out. He's being pulled in, in two directions. And I, I do wish we had more more details on him. Um, thank you all so much for those comments. I want to look at a couple of Passages out of 1 Corinthians 14. And uh, Darrell touched on this on Wednesday night a little bit. You know, the, the instructions that Paul was, was giving the church of Corinth about their assemblies and what, what was his one goal that he was wanting them to have, or his overarching goal. Not, not chaos, basically. Let's have order. Really trying to get it across. Because 
um, some of them there had the gift of, of tongues. So he says here, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So we see this is, this is a gift from the, from the Spirit, the, the gift of tongues. And he's trying to get across to them order in using this gift when, we're, when they were gathered uh, together, assembling together. And then he continues in verses 14 and 15, saying, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So, here we have, you know, the idea of, he's trying to get across to them the idea of, of mind and spirit both being engaged. That if somebody comes and has the gift of tongues and they're speaking, he's saying that, that is the spirit. That is in the spirit and it's communication with God. But what he, what he wants is this mind and, and spirit together when, when they sang and when, when, they, when they prayed together. Um, so this, you know, the, the, way, the way I see it is this, is this good, a, a blend of the two, where you're not strictly having, you know, exclusive intellectualism. And you're also not having exclusively emotionalism, too. Because he, he's obviously, if you read the rest of chapter 14, you see the issues that he's talking to them about with them. And the ones, the, excuse me, the ones giving the, the, given the gift of tongues and how they were using that and, and how they... Um, Basically, wanted to use that gift not for not for the edification of, of everyone there, but for their own personal edification. So again, you know what what I see here is is Paul trying to get across to them to have this this blend of praying with and singing with understanding and with with their spirit. What are your thoughts on that? And what do you see here as the role, the role of the Spirit as Paul's trying to get across to them here? I think it's back to that discernment point. Mm -hmm. Really understanding what's being said and the source of it. That, that calls for a lot of discernment on the part of each of us. To get wrapped around the axle about all the details as to how this happens is not profitable at all. But discerning that it is from God because it agrees with everything else I know about God, I can then pray with the Spirit and the understanding. But if I'm so concerned about one or the other of those, it all falls aside, accomplishes nothing. That's just opinion I have. No, I, I, I agree with that. And he, he continues about having them not 
not act like children is one way he puts it in uh, later in this in this chapter. So he's trying to get them to be more mature, more discerning. Yes. You use the word edification, and I think that probably is the theme of chapter 14, that all things should be done to the building up of the body. And when somebody just goes off on their own and speaks in a foreign language that nobody understands, that's not really helpful to anybody, but somehow it's being used to elevate that person above <clears throat> other people. And uh, you know, I've been to a lot of churches where, where people have uh, purported these same kinds of gifts. They weren't speaking in a discernible language, certainly nothing that could be interpreted, but they were using it as a way of, of bringing attention to themselves, and it was creating chaos and wasn't edifying to anybody. Um, and that characterizes even some of the entire services that I've, that I've seen, well, where, where people, no one's being edified, but everybody is, is uh, somehow on display. And that's exactly what Paul was teaching against here. He was teaching against using the Spirit as a way of elevating yourself um, and as a way of bringing attention to yourself and where, where really the body isn't benefiting from it at all. All right, we have a, a few other <coughs> passages we're going to look at before we uh, close out class here. And some of these, a few, you know, shorter passages. I want to look at, you know, James has a statement in, in James chapter 2. He says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So if you remember, you know, chapter 2, he's, he's talking about faith and deeds. He, he uses the example of of Abraham and Rahab. And then he he makes you know makes this comparison which is which is really interesting that you can't you can't have one without the other. You can't separate the two. The body without a spirit is dead. And as, as faith without deeds are dead. So again, expressing this idea of the spirit is bringing life to the body. Just as Ezekiel had prophesied of God. God had said through Ezekiel, my spirit is going to bring, bring life. And that's what makes the body live. It's what James, you know, is using using this example. He's saying that faith without deeds, faith without works, is is dead. Exact same way that the body without the spirit is is dead. Also, any thoughts on this? It's it's pretty straightforward. But if you have any any um, additional thoughts. You know, it's, it's also something that came to my mind is that it's, it's, this is reality. That when the life that the Spirit brings is, it, it is truly, you know, our, our reality. I know it's something we talked about that a little bit in the first two classes of the spiritual realm 
And that, you know, is true reality. You know, we live in, in our reality, but then there's this also a, a true reality of, of the spiritual realm where our, you know, our spirits uh, dwell also, which is a very fascinating thing, and I think a, a beautiful thing. But again, this idea of a true life that the Spirit brings. And Peter uh, speaks about this too in our ne next passage here in, in 1 Peter. And he says there, if, here in 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So again, the as I'm putting it, the, the reality. He's life is given, he's made alive in the spirit, even though even though his body has been put to death and is no more. So again, this sharp contrast between the two that that James and, and here Peter are are expressing. What, Any, what purpose does our body serve if God is not in us? Mm -hmm. It goes back to a little bit what Jared had to say this morning. When God dwells in us, we know that our uh, our salvation is in Him. He gives purpose to our life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Faith without works is dead. Body without spirit is dead. Our, our body serves no purpose unless it's for the purpose of God. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. And it goes along with what Anna said earlier. Is you know, to try to find purpose. A lot of with with those that don't believe in, in the spirit or the, our spiritual presence that are trying to find some type of meaning. But again, that's just, it's just kind of groping and, and, and feeling around for some purpose and some meaning when it's, it's given to us in our spirit that given us the, this purpose, what to do with, with our body, to glorify God um, with our spiritual being and with our physical being too. Any other? Thoughts on that? And even going back into Solomon's writings in Ecclesiastes, again, looking at how he, he perceived the difference between the body and the spirit. At the end of Ecclesiastes, he says, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and spirit, and spirit returns to God. Who gave it? So again, he he recognized as he's coming to his conclusion. If you remember, he starts out remember remember your your creator in the days of your youth, and he goes through a <coughs> laundry list of how as you grow older things are breaking down. This is what's going to happen to you. Remember God. He makes this observation too: is the body is going to return to the dust it came from. But our spirit will return to God, and then His, to God who gave it, and then His conclusion 
is to fear God and, and keep his commandments. That, you know, that was his conclusion to the matter, as he put it. So again, this, this sharp contrast between the two that we see with the New Testament writers, too, that you know, observe this, as we just saw with, with Peter and James. So we just have about a minute left. What are your all's thoughts as we, as we wrap up here? Well, thank you all very much. I think... Uh, that's, that's all I've got this morning, but I appreciate everybody's uh, participation and comments. And we will be back here Wednesday night. Thank you all. Thank you.